HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Appeal, helping you enjoy your fruits and vegetables at peak freshness and reduce food waste. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome to The Big Food Question, a podcast exploring the most urgent questions from a food industry in crisis. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's communications director. The election happened. Four days later, we finally got the call that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will become our next president and vice president. But not everything is decided yet. Due to two runoff races set for January 5th in Georgia, the makeup of the next Senate is up in the air. There were some other pretty decisive outcomes, like a handful of states decriminalizing or legalizing cannabis. We also know the winner of North Carolina's 115th District State House race. It's incumbent, Representative John Ager, our guest from the last episode of The Big Food Question. This week, he's back to talk about lessons learned from this campaign season and what's next. One note is that this conversation was recorded on Friday, November 6th, one day before the presidential race was called. Okay, so Representative Ager, you won your race this week. And since we talked, that's the big news. But we did talk about the potential of flipping the House of Representatives in North Carolina, which did not happen. But let's start with kind of tell me what your past week's been like. Walk me through Election Day for you. Oh, well, that's great. Uh, we... You know, I did, I did have high hopes for the North Carolina House, and uh, we not only didn't gain seats, we lost four seats. My last week was trying to get out as much as I could in the midst of this virus. Election day was trying to go to all 40 of my precincts and talking to voters and, and poll watchers, and it was a beautiful day here, and I quite enjoyed it. So now going forward, what, what will the next few months look like for you? When, you know, when do you go to Raleigh? What are you going to be working on as we go forward? We, we go back to Raleigh January, I think, 13th. Um, I am already starting to try to put together some of my agenda items, uh, including ones having to do with, with agriculture. One of the other areas that I'm working on is to pull together the agenda items for Western North Carolina. Our region is fairly unique in lots of ways and 
we always have a chip on our shoulder that the people in Raleigh don't don't take a, much of a look at us in the mountains. So I'm going to try to get together. We have a, a you know bipartisan group of House members and Senate members, uh, and try to get together with them to see what we can agree on as our primary agenda items for the long session coming up. What do you think some of those kind of bipartisan agenda items may be? Well, one of them that relates to your interest here is we have a, an, an important state farmer's market here just outside of Asheville uh, that's a big generator of uh, income for farmers and uh, is a big source of food for people in the area. And it's it they have a master plan to improve that facility, and I want to get everyone on board to back that. Um, I need to add as a caveat that there's not going to be much money uh, in the long session. So we're going to have to be careful how we spend the money. But that's one of them. Um, we also have a lot of parks. And I'd, I'd like to see our park system begin to think, how do you manage state parks uh, in a way to mitigate climate change? One other item, big item, is we're building, a, we have a School of Science and Math down in Durham, North Carolina, and we're building one in near it for for the West and in, in Morganton, North Carolina. I want to get everybody on board for that. So uh, that's a few of the things. Great. So one of the big um, kind of national stories uh, around this election was the fact that a handful of states uh, voted to legalize recreational cannabis, a couple more legalized medical use. Um, and even Oregon decriminalized all hard drug use. And I know that this isn't exactly in line with the work you've tried to do around um, industrial hemp farming, but you know it is related. Do you think that the movement in that direction for some states, one even being Mississippi that um, voted to legalize medical use, which is, I think, maybe surprising to some, do you think that's going to help you with any momentum trying to get more support to push uh, industrial hemp farming in the state beyond just this pilot program? Well, that, that's what I'm hoping. You know, it, it really doesn't need to be a partisan issue. Uh, medical marijuana is a priority for me for this session. I would also like to see decriminalization of all cannabis, which would really clear the way for hemp. And that was a big, big uh, point of contention last time around. Uh, and, I, you know, and I'm, again, looking forward to full legalization uh, and I would like North Carolina to be a leader in that, and it would it would be a big boost to our agriculture as well. Uh, we have ABC stores here still that sell sell liquor. Liquor is is, is still controlled, uh, and I think we could we could task those stores to manage uh, cannabis sales and um, give people comfort about you know keeping it out of the hands of people that shouldn't or couldn't have, couldn't, shouldn't have it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping there is a small contingent of Republicans who are pushing this way as well. Uh, certainly healthcare is large on everyone's mind. And so medical, medical cannabis should be, sh- should have some, some, a lot of interest when we go back down there. So talk to me a bit about like the steps that you would go through, um, to try to kind of get the coalition around some of these agenda items. Do you 
Are you going to start talking to people now? Are you going to wait till you get to Raleigh? What does that process look like of trying to gain support behind policies and causes that you want to push forward? Well, we have a cannabis caucus in Raleigh. I would start with that group, which I think is mostly or all Democrats. But it's going to, you know, it's a big group effort. There's 120 of us. Uh, I'd like to find out who in the Republican caucus might be interested in helping. Um, and I, I'm, I'm planning on working on that before before January. Uh, but it's, you know, a lot of legwork and um, trying to get our message right. And, um, you know, there's there's interest groups out there that will support and oppose. And uh, I, have a, I have a good friend here in Asheville who's uh, leads the hemp effort and I'm going to enlist his help as well. And um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a big job. So, you know, we're, we're sitting here today and North Carolina is one of a few States that has not been called yet. And we don't yet officially know um, which way we went for the president or um, if it's Tillis or Cunningham, but we, you know, have a pretty good idea that it's going to lean red. The other States, not including Alaska that have yet to be called have swung blue and it, you know, we're kind of waiting for the official word there. I know there's some organizers and folks that were campaigning in North Carolina who were disappointed that North Carolina didn't go blue as well. Um, what would you kind of say any lessons learned or thoughts about that um, being a swing state that had a lot of hopes pinned to it? And what do you take forward in, for the next campaign cycle? From my point of view, living out here on a farm in, in rural Buncombe County, um, I feel like that, that the Democratic, my, my Democratic friends, we have a way of talking down to people out in the country. We don't mean to, but we come, often come across as sort of know-it-alls. Uh, we're here to fix your life when people don't want their lives fixed in the way we want them to. Um, we, you know, we make we make a lot of people out in the country uh, uneasy about who they are uh, and how they how they spend their lives and how they work. And um, and I think we need to, you know, we're, we've become an urban party and we uh, we're a, we, we, we're a highly tend to be speak from a highly educated point of view, um, which can be off putting uh, in, in many ways. Hillary Clinton, who I think would have been a fabulous president, but she exhibited that behavior. You know, her her deplorables comment just was really went to the heart to a lot of people. So we've got to honor the people that are out here in rural areas uh, working hard, uh, and we got to you know create policies that they can appreciate. And, and I think in a lot of ways we we have that in in, in healthcare. Uh, Medicaid expansion would have helped rural people. So, you know, I, I just think we, we have a little bit of an attitude problem. Uh, and that's, that's you know, I, I actually, you know, love my neighbors out here. And I just appreciate their, um, their devotion to going to church and um, being better people and helping each other. Uh, and I, I think we need to to be better at appreciating all that. You and your candidacy and the fact that you've been elected four times now is also proof that that maybe isn't the whole picture and that 
what I see also is a lot of Republicans branding Democrats that way. I don't, you know, I, I think I wouldn't consider you someone who talked down to your neighbors. I, you know, I don't think they would reelect you, frankly. Um, so I don't know. What's your thought on the fact that it's it's as much, if not more, of Republicans calling Democrats latte liberals and 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 making people buy into that kind of storyline when I don't know that it's necessarily true. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And that that was we saw a lot of that in, in this this election. Um, another aspect of it that's that's always very difficult to talk about in the South is race. Um, the the Republicans in North Carolina uh came back uh, on us uh, after the Black Lives Matter um, protest occurred and, and called us, called Democrats, uh, you know, rioters in the street. Our, our uh, uh, lieutenant governor who was running for governor, Dan Forrest, created a, just a horrible uh, video claiming that Asheville, North Carolina, was being burnt to the ground, using footage from other cities, um, trying to promote that. And, and, you know, in the heart of that, it was it was a reaction to Black Lives Matter and uh, and all the insecurities we all feel about race relations in the South. And I think they, they uh, made that work for them. When we come back, Representative John Ager and I talk more about what agriculture policies he'll be looking at in the upcoming session. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system, from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. Because here's the thing, less waste doesn't just mean we're throwing less food away. It also means we waste less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us conserve our precious resources to ensure we have fresh food to meet our growing need. Appeal. Food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome back to The Big Food Question. We're continuing our conversation with State Representative John Ager, who won re-election last week and will continue to represent District 115 in the North Carolina House of Representatives. So I want to circle back on another topic we talked about last week, which was you're really passionate about getting young farmers involved in the industry. And one thing I want to drill in on a bit with that is that, you know, it's a, I think an idea that a lot of people can get behind, but one of the biggest, two big barriers are land and money. And how do you actually get young farmers who are, who are breaking into the industry, who don't have any land, don't have any money, how, how can you put policies in place that can actually encourage um, those things and increase access so that we can have many, many, many more small family farms um, in this region? Yeah, and, and those are the two, two primary barriers. As I think I mentioned last time, my 
nephew runs FarmLink, which tries to link up farmland uh, of, of aging farmers with with uh, land for young farmers. That program is a state program, and we need to make sure we we keep trying to to make that connection. There's some federal loan programs, um, and you know I, I have one sort of crazy idea, I suppose, is I'm going to try to talk to UNC TV about doing a series on small farms in North Carolina. Uh, I think I think people would love to to watch a series, uh, meet some of these farmers. People seem fascinated by it. Uh, meet a you know have them talk about what are the how are they making it work? Is it a good fit for their family? Is one or other of the mem- of the parents working off the farm? Uh, what are they growing? How are they marketing their crops? It's just a way to sort of promote small farming. And, you know, just a reminder, the, the, the thing about the land is, for most farmers, it's the value of the land that is their major asset for when they do get older. So it's important that that at some point these younger farmers uh, get titled to the land they're working on. This is a bit of a tangent, but I had a really interesting conversation with someone yesterday who has spent her career um, working with school lunch programs and her, her main goal is to have universal school lunch um, across the country. And I think there's a lot of really compelling reasons to do that. You know, destigmatizes poverty. It takes all, all the time and energy that, school lunch programs put into, um, you know, managing bank accounts and, uh, or lunch accounts. And, you know, all this accounting could just be spent making better, healthier meals. And then another huge, uh, thing that could, that would, it would impact is the fact that school lunch programs are mandated to buy American products. But when you're able to, you know, spend more time thinking about sourcing and ingredients, you would be able to support local farms, um, and, you know, support the local economy. Um, have you ever done any sort of work, policy work around school lunch programs? And could that be a, a really, could that be something that we would, we could pursue that would benefit both the educational system as well as the farming economy? In Buncom County, we have had not, not me so much, but others have worked to, uh, to sort of implement trying to connect those farmers. You know, the, 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 the confidence in the supply is always an issue, but to, to link up those local farmers uh, with the s- school system and the university system. And I think that's a great idea. And that's a, that's a probably a good thing for me to work on as well. You know, in thinking about all these things, we have uh, an outstanding sort of a small farm program here that you may know about. It's called ASAP, Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project. Uh, and they do a great job of of these sort of um, larger marketing efforts uh, to help small farmers. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a nonprofit. Um, and, it, and there's another one, I think, up in uh, Yancey County near here called Tractor. Um, and, you know, I, I think for for getting the small farms to work, you need you need a, an agency like this with with uh, their purpose to to uh, promote small farms. And uh, they do a booklet every year, all the small farms, all the push agritourism. Uh, Their original purpose was to transition farms away from burly tobacco in the mountains. And they have gone on, and they're a great asset. And I I think that 
that every region needs to have something like this. And maybe that's something else the state could support. Um, as, a, as an example, ASAP, uh, you know, they came in when uh, all these small farmers who were making a, a big part of their living off of restaurant sales, uh, and that dried up uh, this summer, they came in and they raised money uh, and purchased a lot of food from these farms and sent it through the the uh, food bank system. Our, our local one is called Mana, uh, and provided, you know, a, a good income for the farmers and also provided fresh food for uh, uh, the increasing numbers of people that were needing food. And they were able to do that quickly and do all the organizational work. And that's the sort of thing that I think every region needs. Uh, and we're just fortunate to have such a, 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 an effective one here. School lunch, farming access, all these things are really critical things that we that need to be worked on. However, uh, in January, when you go to Raleigh to start the next session, uh, we are looking like we're trending upwards in COVID cases. And I think it's going to be a tough time, both in a public health front and also the and, and the economy. So I, I would anticipate that one of the first things you're probably going to be talking about when you get there is coronavirus relief and what, what we do next um, to make it through this pandemic while we wait for a vaccine. So what do you anticipate being kind of the mood and what do you anticipate having to, to do and work on first to just make sure that people can can get through a really, really challenging time? Boy, that's the that's the question of the year. So it, it looks like we we will get some sort of CARES Act number two coming out of Washington. And one of the things I would like is for some of that money to go to groups like ASAP to, to keep their small farms going. But you're right, you know, we're going to have a big political battle between the General Assembly and the governor over uh, how to handle the coronavirus. And I'm anticipating that uh, the governor's not going to reopen anymore until these numbers start going back down again. We've got Christmas and Thanksgiving coming up. It's pretty bleak. We just lost a neighbor of ours to the virus here in Fairview. Uh, sounded like a just a horrible death for him. Uh, we're all kind of in shock about that, but it's it's going to be a, a very challenging issue to deal with. And and again, we're not you know with the economy still limping along, um, we're not going to have the state revenue that we need to tackle even things like teacher pay and um, and other other expenses. So it's it's going to be in some ways maybe it's. It's good for me that the Republicans have to deal with it, and and we don't. How would like further coronavirus relief money from the from the federal level? How would that impact? Would that would that be a solution to being able to better balance the budget and and do the things that need to get done the rest of this year and next? Uh, that would that could be a big help. Um, when, when we we got the first CARES Act money, the first thing we did is put three hundred million in the Department of Transportation. Uh, but the federal program didn't didn't allow that is a is a usable expense, so we ended up having to reallocate that, um, and we ended up mailing just to get the money out before the end of the deadline in December. We we took about half the the money we had left 
and just mailed out checks to families. Um, as, as you may know, $335 per family with a child. But um, I'm hoping we can think through some of the other cracks uh, in the in the economic system, which include local local governments, uh, municipalities, small businesses, and that sort of thing. And we will uh, need that guidance from the federal government and, and perhaps a, a Joe Biden administration will uh, open that discussion up a little better than it has been. Great. Well, are there any other final thoughts or, or things you think we should chat about um, as we as we sit here on a Friday afternoon with watching the news with bated breath? You know, I think one of the things we need to promote, and, and we used to do it through the extension service, is I would love to see people gardening again. You know, when I was first here and, and growing up here, uh, people gardened and it was, it was entertainment and it provided a lot of people's food. Uh, and we, we've kind of lost that. And, and one other state item that I, I see we need to work on, which is really critical, uh, is NC State has a, has a wonderful bee research center uh, and it's in kind of a rundown old building. Uh, one of the things we really need to look at is, is helping our bee populations, which are being decimated, as you know. So I'm hoping we can find some money to to build a a state-of-the-art bee research center. Um, And one other ag-related is is, uh, our forest, our state forest system. Uh, I want to look at the forest system uh, and the state parks uh, for how to to manage them with, with climate change in mind. Thank you so much. I, I think that's awesome. We we've been seeing a lot of chatter about victory gardens. I think I think the time is right to get people thinking about how they can turn you know that one square foot into a little plot to grow food. So I'm glad to hear you talk about that. Thanks so much to Representative John Ager for speaking with me again this week after an exhausting campaign and election season. Don't forget to subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Check back often as we address critical questions for eaters, operators, and workers across food topics and business sectors. If you have questions you'd like our show to answer, you can email us at question at heritageradionetwork.org. The Big Food Question is produced by Katie Mosman-Wadler, Hannah Forden, Dylan Hoyer, Matt Patterson, Luke Griffin, and me, Kat Johnson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Big Food Question is powered by Simplecast. The content of this series is provided for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. You should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this content. This project is funded in part by a Humanities New York CARES grant with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Federal CARES Act. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. The Big Food Question is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.